Welcome to another episode of the weekly webinar series brought to you by the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association, where our mission is to connect, educate, and elevate the performance and knowledge base for experts who work in the most expansive industry in North America. All right, welcome to today's Wednesday, DPHA Wednesday webinar, uh, talking about design trends. Jamie. Hi, my name is Jamie Galapo. The name of my company is Galapo Group Design and I am located in South Florida. My name is Jessica Stewart Linvey, and I'm an architect in Dallas, Texas, and I work on high-end residential projects. We're working with Emily Summers on a large project right now. I'm Vanessa Helmick. I own Fiori Home, which is um, a furniture store in Portland, Maine, and I also own Fiori Interiors, which is a design firm that I have moved home to Yarmouth, Maine. <laughs> Fantastic. And I am Kimberly Glazer, the Director of Marketing and Sales for the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association. And ladies, we are so excited to have you here today. Um, before we get started, I am just going to launch a quick poll for our attendees. Um, if you guys could just tell us what uh, best describes your industry segment, that would be wonderful. Ooh, got more designers than we normally do. Thank you, ladies, for sharing. I'm just gonna let that go for about 10 more seconds and then I will finish that up. All right, I'm gonna show you guys the results. So it looks like 46% are manufacturing members. Um, 21% dealers, 18% reps, and 14% designers. We have a really great, uh, great breadth of attendees. That's really great. I, I like to see that. So thank you all for joining us. Um, I want to think back to life before COVID. I know that's hard. It seems like it's a million years ago. Um, but what trends were you seeing in your respective markets before then? Jamie, do you want to get us started? Sure, sure. Um, I would say the big thing in South Florida is the open floor plans, especially when it comes to kitchen. Um, most of my clients are opening up their entire kitchen to the family room um, just so that they can be part of, you know, watching their kids while cooking and cleaning. So that's a very, very big trend here. Great. Jessica, what about you? What are you seeing in in Dallas or Texas? Before um, COVID, well, um, we work on um, new and uh, existing homes for renovations, um, primarily modern residences. Um, I think that, um, you know, we were seeing... Uh, people making upgrades to their bathrooms and their kitchens um, and kind of maybe responding to that first wave of Pinterest where all of the things that we found really beautiful um, were becoming mainstream and people wanted to do things that were really special that they hadn't seen before and almost kind of seeking, in a sense, the new frontier in design. Um, and really raising the bar and um, maybe going to um, like more unique materials, more artisan made products. Um, I think that was, that was sort of a trend I saw. That's great. Vanessa, what about you? Um, well, I'm in Maine, which uh, is like 200 years old, and there's not a ton of new construction here. So um, we have a lot of renovating structures. My first project I, I did when I moved here was a house built in 1799. And coming from Los Angeles, 
it was an education. <laughs> so we don't, they have started to um, do a little bit of new construction here. And I don't, that didn't really make an impact on me because they had to change a lot of real estate stuff I won't bore you with in order to allow more new construction. But I was getting the whole, we want a more open floor plan in these small homes. And every time I hear that, I just immediately, I'm like, it's going to be $20,000. Like I just out, out of my mouth, I would let people know because we have to put steel into their ceiling. And so that's something that was conversations I was having a lot. And then um, in normal times, everyone wants to be done by the end of May. It's this big push because of summer homes or that's when they want to move here. So we get both, you know, we're total tourist state. So we get both that tourism, but then also people that are moving here want to wrap up the school year and go. So there was always this big, big push in April and May that needless to say, <laughs> not quite. Well, that leads us into my next thought of, well, then COVID hit. Um, suddenly people were spending more time in their homes and realizing that their current spaces just weren't working for them. Um, so what kinds of trends have you seen over the past five months um, and how have they been impacted by COVID? Um, Jamie, I, I find it the, the open floor plan and the open concept to me contradicts what I've been feeling over the last five months. So have you exactly. <laughs> um, so what's happening here um, and I'll attest to it because we have an open floor plan is that um, we are creating spaces so that people can work go to the gym and homeschool so um, I have a lot of clients asking me to refresh their spaces so that they can accommodate all of this and sometimes that's um, changing certain rooms for instance uh, my daughter's playroom is now her school and I cleaned out all the playroom stuff and now it's strictly business so um, you know Unfortunately, if you have an open kitchen, you have an open kitchen, but it's finding the space to make it work um, for what's going on right now. Another trend uh, since COVID hit is a lot of people, especially in South Florida, want to make their outdoor spaces, you know, part of their home. So a lot of yeah. A lot of outdoor renovations, people are doing their pool, their pavers, setting up the barbecue. Um, all of that is happening here. Yeah. I would agree with that. <clears throat> um, some clients who have put projects on hold um, because they were so busy uh, have wanted to revisit those and get everything back and um production and then also second residences um, making those more livable for people who want to go um, sort of retreat and you know being able to if your kids are doing virtual or distance learning being able to to sort of spend more time in a second or vacation residence um, and still engaging the school year uh, but having more flexibility to travel um, during that time without the limitations they had before? Um, I haven't, uh, again, because I live in uh, Siberia, it's a little different. Um, we've got eight to 10 weeks till we have snow. So the outdoor spacing, most people are not calling me for outdoor spaces because you can do this, you can invest in this and eight to 10 weeks from now, you got to put covers up. So it's probably better for everyone if, if like we, I just don't talk about that with my clients and make them more depressed. What the big changes that, that I've been seeing is been guest rooms converted into offices, not so much the kitchens, which was interesting because I thought it would be different. Um, guest rooms are a big deal. Basements, there are, we're, this is the land of basements. We are spending cash on basements right now, finishing them out, making them more usable. People obviously want more space. Um, but those are the only real differences, honestly, pre-COVID and like, during COVID, I guess, because we're not post yet. 
Um, but it's been the way that we're working has changed. The way that I, I it hasn't been so much the design, it's been how I'm listening to people, how I am uh, I'm project managing completely differently. Like I'm either project managing or I'm not involved, period. I'm no longer doing the thing where I work with other people's builders. It's just, there's too many obstacles with supply chain issues, logistics, um, how we work in teams in people's houses has been crucial. It's very specific, like we do non-interchangeable teams and really just how I interact with the clients has the difference. So my process has changed. The design hasn't actually changed that much for me um, mm -hmm. other than some people, you know, emailing me that there's some stuff they put on the back burner, like existing clients. And now they want to do it right now in like six weeks. So, which again, kind of goes back to changing the processes. So it's expand yeah. on how your processes have changed. Cause I think that's really interesting. Um, Oh goodness. Um, it changed everything. Um, I am not, I don't think anyone's ever called me an optimist before. I'm more of a realist and I'm okay with it. Like sarcasm is my love language. I don't need all that I stuff. I that. I've known you for um, 15 minutes. But I do believe in all the woo-woo and like the manifesting your goals. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I just think we should be realistic about things. So, um, what, what changed for me, so right away, we were working on a home, it was beautiful, it was supposed to be a whole house, and then it just became the kitchen because they needed to move into their house. And the reason why these clients needed to move in is they needed childcare. They needed um, one of the 70-year-old grandmothers to move in with them for childcare, and their current house wasn't ready. And it was sort of like, put everything else on hold, get the kitchen done, and just get it done. So we got it done and we still started working again in the non-interchangeable team. I was only on site with my contractor mask. That's it. Contractor is like my brother from another mother, like him and his family are awesome. I was never on site with the tile guy or the electrician. So that whole thing changed, but we did check in. And I have now also started requiring photos from whoever's there at the end of the day to be sent to me. I know it sounds silly, but from your phone, you can upload it to Dropbox. It gives you a visual record. So that way you can have more control over your job sites and also make sure someone did go in and disinfect. And then those folks moved in. Anyone who had an empty house, or we got that done. And now we're left with, how do we renovate while people are home? Um, and so that, that has been... Um, that's been interesting. And so I have a project right now. We need to completely gut and redo one bathroom. It's going to be so good looking. And then redo the floor in another bathroom because there is um, a young man in a wheelchair. And for some reason, that house was built with polished marble floors. So we're going to work that out. And then we are revamping the kitchen. I'm getting a lot, maybe this is COVID related where I don't need to tear it out, but like, can we change the color of the base cabinets and change countertops? Apparently everyone hates their countertops right now. Um, so my process around that has changed and that I want to know that the slab is stateside. I don't want to hear that it is on water. I want to know what location when I talk to the vendor, where is the slab? Oh, we just order it. Order it from where? The vendor. Give me a location and give me a photo so I can confirm it. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what we're doing. I need to know this. Um, there's just, we are not at the end of our supply chain issues. We are just at the beginning of them. Um, same thing with plumbing, you know, like my favorite um, Brizo faucet that I love. Um, sure enough, there was only four of them like left that Ferguson's could get a hold of. And so I just told the client, get the faucet now, we'll pick the rest of the stuff out later, go. And we did. And um, so that has changed. And then I think the biggest thing with the process um, has been really setting those expectations from day one. I have these long conversations with clients about it from the very beginning that things are going to take longer and we're gonna hurry up and wait. So we're gonna hurry up to make decisions and then we're gonna wait. And that is the best way to do it. And it is, it's, it's to, to benefit them that I'm not BSing them. And yes, that's the exact mm -hmm. terminology I use and they appreciate it. And so that, that has been, um, that has really kind of helped me out a lot. I did have one client who, just really thought that she could go and do everything online or retail. That's fine. She's no longer my client. Best of luck. Um, no, I, I truly, cause there's just, it wasn't, we are not magicians. Um, and you're not going to get anyone in your house September 1st when you fly back to Toronto. So, um, you know, you're going to wait about three months, if not more. So it's okay. It's just been having those conversations before you even start looking at the pretty stuff. And that's kind of the opposite of how we work. You know, normally we're like all assessing like what they want design wise, what's their style, what are they going to like? This has been, we don't even get to that till like part three. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes, Jamie. Um, I'm having a lot of um, clients just wanting to refresh the space. Um, you know, they've been homebound for so long. I'm getting a lot of like, 
I just want to refresh. I want to paint. I, I want to get some window treatments, some, you know, little bits of furniture here and there. Um, I have implemented something really interesting and it really was born during this pandemic. And that's um, a designer on call service where um, basically I am their designer on call where they can, um, they're online shopping or doing whatever they're doing and they just need a second eye. And I'm able to be there via Zoom, um, sometimes in person with a mask um, or, you know, a phone call when they're out shopping or just for questions via email. And um, that package for me is selling like crazy. It's doing really well. Um, I even have someone going through an entire remodel and um, renovation at the moment. And she's just, I'm just back of help for her. Um, when she has questions, like the, the GC has questions and she doesn't know how to answer it, that's where I come in. So that's really interesting. And it really all came to fruition during this pandemic. Amy, how, do you, how do you do that? And then like the pop on this Zoom thing and these 4,000 emails and the homeschooling. Because the homeschooling is like, I like put on my website that I'm not taking any projects for the rest of the year. Like I'm just, about right. how do you handle the smaller stuff? It's, it's almost like the multitasking. Yeah. So um, I'm the queen of multitask at the moment. Um, virtual school just started today. So um, what I do is set my schedule where let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I am, you know, I have someone that will sit with my daughter while she's schooling. And then um, I can work a little bit, you know, or, uh, you know, I call out to mom and mother-in-law to help me out with my daughter. Um, if I need to run out on an appointment. So that's how I'm handling it. And every single person that signs up with me, I give them that like that clause, you know, that I'm homeschooling right now and please be flexible with me. And I think everyone is in the same, um, same boat as us. So you're communicating like a schedule with them. Like this is my availability. I think the availability changes every day for me. So, <laughs> yes. You know, um, I just happened to found, find someone that was available Monday, Wednesday, Friday after 10 o'clock. So, that's when I'm free to meet with a client for a couple hours. And I'll usually just take in one appointment a day. The rest will be the email, you know, or, you know, or phone call. But in person meetings is like one per day. That's all I can handle at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's working. It's working. That's great. Jessica, what, um, let's see, what else, what other trends have you seen um, with, with COVID coming around? Well, I, um, we're working on a, a multifamily condo project and this project um, will be well certified. And so we were, um, we learned about that as the project was in design and uh, about sensitivities to touchless um, faucets and all other, you know, ways that you can avoid the spread of um, disease, but it was kind of um, theoretical, you know, it seemed, thoughtful, especially for a community that may be older, but uh, not very meaningful or remarkable. And now, um, you know, when you like go into a public space and you do have to touch something, it's like, I don't know, you're, you're very aware of it, you know? So I think that is an obvious uh, thing that we want. When I go to a store and the door isn't propped open, Anyway, I, I would think that probably does relate more to commercial or multifamily. Just like, oh, there's a door. Hmm, what do I have in my purse? <laughs> How am I going to get in, you know? So I think as designers, uh, where we can think about those things right now, it's kind of strange that we weren't sensitive to how gross everything was, you know, but we were just trying to deal with 
everything in the best way we could. So now being more aware of that, um, I think that's just like a no-brainer at this point, you know, that you would do touch-free devices where possible. Um, oh, that's, there was sure. actually a question that I was just going to ask is, have you found that clients are requesting more hands-off products, touchless faucets, excuse me, mm -hmm. auto-flush toilets? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's... Antibacterial surfaces. Mm-hmm. You know, things that can be easily cleaned, like chemicals, mm -hmm. bleach. Yeah. There's a sensitivity on some of our projects. To oh, is that, is that the well booklet? No, but it's related. And that's why I'm, I'm like, what Jessica's saying, I'm like, yeah, girl, that's awesome. I took this, um, this clip certification oh, yeah. that I've been wanting to do forever, but I could never travel, go to the hotels, do the class in person. Mm -hmm. They're now doing it online it's interactive like you can't just like pause it like they can see everything it's mm -hmm. a lot of work but um not only can you take it from home now which is new but it's also like a lot like it's a lot cheaper which is amazing and then you don't have to spend thousands traveling so in mm -hmm. here kind of to piggyback on what you're saying is mm -hmm. i didn't think about asking clients when we're renovating your bathroom because i'm doing a bunch do you want us to add an outlet under the sink in case you do need to put something a touchless faucet in later or in mm -hmm. case you want to do the total washlet since like i don't even know how many thousands of people have ordered that in the past few months. i mean like i heard mm -hmm. a story of a distributor yeah. in florida who ordered like they went through like 3000 of them in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, but it's a, it's a, if we're already renovating it, it makes sense to ask. And then I can kind of talk to them about the concept of living in place. Cause if they are going to live in their home, they might make these changes mm -hmm. later. Um, and a lot of them just don't know what they don't know unless we ask. So mm -hmm. the certification came at a wonderful time for me because it was teaching me how to be a little more mindful in mm -hmm. my perceptions of what their needs are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Definitely. So have you guys been utilizing your plumbing and hardware specialists more, your hopefully DPHA dealers? Um, and then what, what, what do you need from them and from the DPH, Decker Plumbing and Hardware manufacturers that are on this call as well? Jamie. Um, I definitely um, utilize my local showrooms um, and I, it's great that I can call and say, you know, what I need and everything is done virtually via email. I can, you know, or also in person make appointments um, with the showrooms and they're just accepting a few people at a time in the showroom and everyone's properly masked um, and sanitized. Um, but I am definitely using my reps for questions, concerns, shopping, specking, all of that. Absolutely. Checking stock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to, to know who my reps are because my showrooms are kind of imploding and it's, it's not for anything having to do with them, they're, they're lovely. But like my main person at Ferguson's, she is busier than she can handle. She's exhausted and I'm pretty sure she also has kids at home. So um, honestly, like I've reached out, I reached out directly to a countertop rep and just went directly to him and was like, I need this sample because I'm not gonna bother the local folks because they're all struggling. Great. Well, we can definitely help you out with that. Uh, <laughs> we can help you out uh, for those reps and manufacturers that are uh, on the webinar. Vanessa's in Maine. So um, I know we do have some reps in the area as well, as well as some DPH showrooms in the area as well. So we can definitely help you out with that. Um, what about like trends in products and colors and textures and can we talk about just some of the new stuff? Like I, I, yes, Jamie, take it away. Um, I am a huge fan of porcelain countertops, huge fan. Um, and I think that is a growing trend. I mean, people are climbing it on walls, putting it on floors. I mean, right now, um, the porcelain companies are making incredible representations of marble, which is a huge trend here. Um, and I'm just a huge fan because you can clean it, you can put a hot pot on it, it's scratch resistant, heat resistant, um, and it looks incredible. 
It looks incredible. So um, that is definitely the trend I love at the moment. Um, white kitchens is still a big thing here. Um, we're also seeing a lot of um, people are getting more experimental with paint colors on their cabinets and not so afraid to use it anymore because you can easily um, paint them over if need be. Um, a lot of blues and greens in South Florida. Um, uh, porcelain with floors, very big, um, just a way to bring the warmth in, but keep it cool. Um, Jamie, I'm going to interrupt you because um, one of our show members did asked about porcelain countertops. So um, not all of our DPHA members sell countertop materials. Um, I came from the tile side of the business, so I actually know about, about these products. But could you tell um, us a little bit more about the porcelain countertops? Um, sure, sure. So um, they come in slab format. Um, 12 millimeter thick and basically the porcelain companies are printing um, marble looks on these uh, porcelain slabs and they look incredibly realistic. They are fabricated like granite and marble um, because they are so hard they're a little bit um, it's a little bit harder to fabricate them, but they look so good and realistic um, in person. And most of my recent kitchens are done with porcelain. Wow. Yeah. When I was uh, living in New York, working in New York City recently, a couple of years ago, they were just starting to get really popular. And a lot of them are, are a very thin porcelain um, that are then fabricated similar to the way like a Corian countertop is fabricated, where it's only a half inch material and then they miter the edge to build up. Um, yeah. Do you see, are your clients going for the just the thin look or are they building up the edges? I'm always building up the edge. My, the minimum I use in a kitchen is two inches thick um, is usually where I go. And a lot of times you're seeing like the islands three and four inch thick and then maybe a thinner on the perimeter. Um, but it just all depends also on your height, you know? Uh, even though, you know, I would, I would reduce the size of the cabinets, but, um, you know, it, it all depends on the person too and the type of look that they might want. Great. Vanessa or Jessica, what about you as far as finishes or textures or anything with trends? Jessica sounds like lives in a more stylish neighborhood. I'll let her go. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, right now, I guess that, that same idea of the way that we are kind of inundated with images and then when someone wants to do their home, they may want it to be more unique. Um, and so going to, um, we just recently uh, completed a project where we did um, wire brushing of wood um, to create more texture. Um, Beautiful. It started before the um, coronavirus, but um, just in general, I kind of mentioned that before about um, when you see a lot of images, and it's all beautiful work, but some of our clients want to create a space that's unique. Um, so special treatments on stone, which actually is the opposite of what we talked about, which can create a more porous condition. But um, wire brushed wood, uh, special finishes on stone, but... Um, Again, that makes it more porous. I was gonna say before though, that we had a client recently that was concerned with sealants on stone. So that um, really an extra concern about penetrating sealers on materials in terms of it being really um, sealed really well before she moved in after construction and then maintaining that sealer so that you didn't have bacteria, um, you know, working its way into tile, stone floors or countertops. I bet you're specifying specific cleaners a lot more than you used to. And being sensitive about that and also answering a lot of questions about that. Um, I have, uh, 
been on the job site, but we tried um, in our company to minimize the amount of people that go to the job site. Um, so supporting everyone uh, working from home as much as possible. Um, then we've kind of changed our roles, I guess. And we kind of had that before internally where some people would stay, would really work at their desk while other people went out to the job site. But I think that's been more emphasized. We kind of have specific roles um, in terms of our, our design team. So that moved off topic. So Vanessa, what are your um, Oh, I, well, I love what you're talking about with the um, with all the textures. So my little like tagline, because when I moved to Maine, everyone's like, "Oh my God, she's not from here." Because um, I'm from California, they actually call it "from away." If you're not from here, so I'll be from away forever. My daughter's from here, but I didn't know that they did that in Maine too. I know they do it in uh, Canada up there because the the Broadway show "Come From Away." Well, didn't know that we, we have the same weather and none of the healthcare, so it's kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's cool, but um, so but I've just kind of how I explain it to people is I just call it like an organic modern. So when I've gotten published locally, I've just talked about clean textures, earth inspired, but we create a space that encourages you to go outside and bring in your own seashells. Because again, I'm in New England, I'm not going to put the seashells on pillows, but we will create some beautiful handmade things that you can put seashells in. So I do, I just love texture. I grew up outside of Yosemite National Park. It just makes me happy and I like it. Um, I, we've been, I've been gravitating more towards the more matte finishes anyways. It was a little difficult to find. I would end up doing like um, beyond a home, like almost a leather texture with, with granite. But what I'm, what I'm starting to see now in terms of countertops, because I don't have the luxury porcelain up here. I'm jealous, Jimmy. Nobody can fabricate it up here. You'd be amazed how many of our fabricators have a hard time with ports because I don't have the right blades for it. Um, it's, it's just, it's slim picking sometimes. So what I have been doing to kind of get a more matte look and I had a client just to prove this. I don't know if you can see it. It's um, Desert Silver by Silestone. I don't know if anyone can see that, but it's actually very soft. It's barely a gray. It has a little bit of veining, but not a lot, but there's depth to it because it's their suede finish. And um, I think it'd be pretty polished, but we are tearing out, unfortunately, the most incredible marble countertops in a home because of bleach. So when everyone's talking about germs, um, these are intelligent, successful people who didn't know that they can't use bleach on all their surfaces um at all and they have um a, a son um with cerebral palsy so they're very very careful of germs um i've actually worked with their different relatives so i've known this kid forever and it's also part of why i took the clip class this year um i want to make sure i'm doing everything perfect so they didn't know this that's why we're tearing out countertops and um and i'm finding that a lot and you know it used to be you know why does why don't people know this well the clients who don't know this are they're, they're successful people. These are not some people at all. Um, I mean, I'm expensive, so they're, they're doing well. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have been finding that um, just sort of cleanability, but then these matte textures. And then what's interesting is Maine is like wall-to-wall -wall gray, white oak, and shiplap done. Like that's what everyone wants. And I'm getting a little, a little bit more relaxed. So this I'll do the white oak, but this tends to be the door style that we're doing, which I really love. And I've also been talking people- I love all your samples. Because I'm at home now. Um, but, and literally we just approved this door on a vanity but in walnut, which I'm really excited about. So like for them, walnut with a slab front looks too modern for, for a more tailored kind of preppy house. But putting that little bit on walnut's been helpful. Um, with like more of a matte countertop. And then the cool thing about gray is that it's kind of hard when you do gray cabinets. Cause I always get people that are like, okay, I have to do silver for my plumbing, but I really like antique brass and all this, it, this big long thing. So I've been using this finish from Cabico, um, which is a gray wash. They call it willow on maple and you can still see the grain. It's really beautiful. So I know that people automatically come to me with wanting that ceruse white oak. I don't know how you pronounce that word, but they, they want all like the rustic island and the white cabinets. And I get it, but where I live, it's going to be custom and expensive. And so I do show them other options. And a lot of people have been doing this and you can put warm color hardware in this kitchen, you can do cool tones, you can mix them. And it's lovely. And it's just been, for me, it's been fun just to kind of 
do something a little different. That's awesome. I'd love to talk about um, cabinet hardware and faucetry and stuff like that when it comes to finishes. So um, we see, we've seen matte black gaining popularity, golds. Um, or do you think one of our, our uh, dealer members uh, here has says, what finishes are your clients leaning towards? And do you feel that gold or black are passing fads? So what are you seeing as as far as the metal finishes for hardware and plumbing? Jamie. Um, I, I love the brushed gold trend at the moment. I love black and I loved, uh, I love polished nickel. And I also don't mind mixing them. Um, I have a lot of clients that love them all, will spread them throughout the house. Um, do I think that black and gold are fed? I think it depends on how it's used. So if your entire home is black, white, and gold, I think that's going to be a fad and um, go out of style. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're outfitting the whole house, just black, white, and gold, yes. Um, I threw polished nickel in there too, though. <laughs> I threw polished nickel in my house too, so. Okay, that's great. But I think that if you're mixing it with finishes like natural stone and wood, it becomes more classic. So um, as long as it's not used on like every single bit of tile and faucet and surface, um, I think it will last and live just depending on, you know, what you're putting around it. So I, I, I love all of those trends that I'm doing all in my house. I would just mix some more natural and textures, you know, wood, stone, porcelain. <laughs> no, it's... Yeah. Fantastic. What do you guys think about um, when uh, a new kitchen faucet was just released that was um, white, matte white with some gold, with a gold handle? What do you think about matte white coming back? I am still thinking about it very deeply and not sure how I feel yet. I have to see it um, because I, uh, all of my clients right now, like all of them want the white stoves. Um, I, I mean, it's like my number one request right now is the white appliances, even though I'm like, we'll just panel them. Like Europe does just panel them. I'm getting white appliances. Like you would not believe. I have the cafe matte white appliances in my I was on my Instagram yesterday. I'm like, you know, if you ever, if you ever want to lose one in my neighborhood, send it over me. But, um, but I'm just not sure how I feel about the white. I have to think about it, see it. I have to think it through very deeply. <laughs> it's too new. <laughs> I really um I'm not as sensitive about the finishes but it's the weight of the hardware to me that I really feel like um and the detail when I have a sense that it's well made um and maybe um I don't want to say this in this crowd but I almost don't care the finish in a sense um, as much as the detail and, and, and the weight, when you can feel it, it feels a little bit heavy and it has a, a wonderful operation. Um, that to me is the classic element is, um, you know, just high functioning and uh, kind of heavy. Have you guys seen more of a request for uh specific finishes that we haven't spoken about or maybe antimicrobial finishes? I, I feel like for me, my clients aren't asking about that. Only the industry is. Interesting. I'm getting asked about um, what to use for cleaning products all the time. Like literally people are like, my husband's insane. He's putting bleach on everything or um, this is what he, like, which is true. Like I walked in and I am designing a vanity specifically to cut, to like hold all these things, keep peace in the house. That's what I'm getting asked more about and not so much new antimicrobial finishes. Yeah. I, I don't get asked that. Interesting. So maybe our hardware companies need to come out with a line of cleaners. <laughs> Specifically for their products. <laughs> uh, well, why not? Furniture does. I own Krypton Cleaner because I have a cream-colored sectional in Krypton fabric that still looks brand new because it, the cleaner works so well. Just saying. You know, also, I, maybe I, 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 there. There you go. 
there's our tip for the manufacturers for the day. Um, what about home spas? Are you guys seeing any trends in that category? Done a bathroom or two with you know the steam room and and um, the um, freestanding tub and you know I, I feel like everyone wants it but not everybody puts it in. Um, it's definitely a special type of client um, that has the budget for it. Do you think that maybe people are now that they're being trapped inside? their houses more and they're not going on vacations more they're investing more in their homes do you think do you see a, an increase in the home spas at all my my people are getting rid of their bathtubs most of them i don't know why like i just want a big bathtub because i'm tall that i can fit in uh, and a lock on the door for my child like i just that's where i want to be i don't understand a lot of these renovations people are like you know i, I only use my bathtub once a year I don't get it. So they want big showers and fancy things, but I'm getting like nothing for, for the tub. The tub has no love. You know, it, it does probably seem like a lot of times people used to ask, what about resale value? As if the home was this arbitrary abstract thing that could be just superimposed anyone's ideas. But now that we're all in our homes, we probably like literally have a, a an exact understanding about the way we use them. And it's not esoteric or abstract. It's specific. Like you're saying, like, I don't use my tub. I want to use it. I want a bigger shower. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, having a clientele that really knows their home or knows what they want. I mean, that could be sort of a, a something that emerges from this. I think in general, that's the sense I'm getting is just a, a directness and articulateness about what people want right now because they've been in their home so many days in a row and really using their home at a level that they never used it before. Um, so we're going to have some really bossy clients. <laughs> I, I will say... Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a pandemic trend, but a big trend in general is the large shower space with the shower bench and the dual shower head and the hand shower and the rain shower and the massager. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that if I have the room for that in any bathroom that I'm designing, you better believe I'm designing with it. Um, you know, at least the double shower head. Um, you know, again, like I said, the steam room is, is, is definitely for the client that has that budget, but to deck out the shower is for sure going on here. I used a digital, um, thermostat, the Kohler digital thermostat recently, and the client who requested it acted like, why would you use one of those old thermostats, you know, why wouldn't you have this precise piece? I felt like it was sort of too techy in the shower. I like the nature of the way hardware feels, but this particular client also used the Kohler steam shower digital. It's a keypad control. Um, that's the first time I'd used that. It wasn't in this period, but um, we get a lot of requests for steam showers and um, it's almost always a man who wants a steam shower. Um, and actually women tend to like their bathrooms, their bathtubs more, but um, I found that women don't want water pouring down over their head, but men love that feeling. Um, so it's always interesting. Like when they say, I want a rain head, it's like, oh really? Was that you or your husband or, you know, to kind of find out. But um, I agree about having all of those options and diverters for those things in a shower, a large shower with a seat and soap niche is so nice and a handheld. I love a hand sprayer for sure. I use my handheld. Yeah, even more than any of my other bathroom. <laughs> um, would you guys uh want more new product education from local reps and manufacturers? 
Yes, but can I can I explain how I'd like it? Yes, please. Okay, so everyone is doing lives, every design magazine, every manufacturer, and, and I get that, but they got to record it because I can only do so much during the day, especially homeschooling is not going away, and there's mm -hmm. so many things that I completely miss that I would love to tune into if I could watch it on my laptop mm -hmm. in my kitchen while I'm cooking and trying to convince the child to eat her food. Like, I, I just, it's just different now. There's everything is taking longer. My, and my jobs right now are bigger. Like truly I have bigger jobs. Um, so I'm just more, I'm working more during the day and the kid. So if they could just, whenever they do a live or a webinar, just send out the link to it so we could watch it. I would learn so much more, um, you know, cause I'm not going to, I won't be going to High Point or KBiz or any of those. And I do want to learn more. I, I enjoy hearing it from the reps and I enjoy being able to, you know, most of the time I like, I feel like people don't go back and ask the recording because it's like, well, I already missed it. And what if I had questions, someone else has probably already asked a question that was on your mind. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, hopefully you will all be able to attend our uh, DPHA Connect virtual conference that we are having in October. And I will definitely send you the information on that. We are having a designer day. We're gonna have eight CEUs available. Uh, as well as complimentary access to our product showcase. So uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy that. Um, are you guys relying heavily on uh, manufacturers' websites for information or your distributors' websites? Or where are you going for, for that kind of information? I, I go direct. I go direct. It's either um, I go straight to the website uh, or call the rep if need be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So something that I picked up on in our last designer panel, and you guys kind of feel the same way, is that you really, you feel like your deal, the showrooms that you go to are so busy that you want to deal directly with the reps. Um, and I find that very interesting. What could showrooms do to make you utilize them a little bit more? What are, or what are they missing? Yes, Jamie. Um, sometimes quick turnaround time. Okay. Um, you know, I think all of us need everything done yesterday. <laughs> so, and I understand that everyone's so busy. Um, but I think when I am picking a showroom to work with, it's usually, uh, with who is going to give me the best service, um, have the most amount of knowledge and just get what I need. And um, also double checking their work and not making mistakes on the order. Um, so there's nothing more frustrating to me when I get an order and I'm like, oh, you know, there's a mistake here and, and now I got to go back. So um, just being thorough and, and good customer service, that's usually how I pick who I work with. It's hard because um, like my favorite rep is um, this girl named Gina at the local Ferguson's and it didn't used to be Ferguson's, Ferguson's bought them. And I just followed Gina to wherever because she does a great job. And Gina is hard to get a hold of right now. She is slammed busy. Um, a lot of the contractors, um, I don't know nice way to say it, so I'm just going to say it. A lot of contractors don't know what they're doing. We have no licensing requirements in Maine for contractors. Literally anyone can be, it's scary. Um, that is really it, scary. It, 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 it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's something I was like, are you kidding me? Really? No, you can't be right. Really? Um, so I will bring architects into projects quite often um, that, when they're way too overqualified to do some of these projects. Um, and I just say thank you because we don't have, anyways. So a lot of the contractors are running the showroom staff around over on the phone and they're really taking up a lot more time. And that's part of what's hard right now because they're just like, can't come in COVID and they're just dumping all their stuff. And so I am watching my showroom staff struggle with it and then again also with all the other things they're struggling with with COVID and I'm sure they're probably spending a third of their day chasing supply chain issues and problem solving just like I do with furniture which is a whole other you know thing um and I do feel like the showrooms are doing well but they can't handle it all right now they're human there's only so much they can do so we do need our reps quite often I, I still will make sure that I am sending business to the showrooms because I want showrooms to stay open that's really important I'm not going to go order off of um, a random website. Um, that's, that's just really important to me. That's, that's also because I have a furniture store and I know everyone's like, I buy local and they show like their beer and their donuts. They're like, I buy local. And then they come in my store, look at my stuff and go shop online. So, you know, whatever. Like I, I just, that's why I like to try to buy from the showrooms, but I do need 
the reps to some of them step it up and evolve a bit. And I know it can be a bit of a pain, but things are going to continue to change. And so the more flexible they can get, the better. Um, is there anything missing on manufacturers' websites that you really need uh, in addition to the training links? Um, yeah. I went to a website the other day and I couldn't find the dimensions, but it was so confusing to me. Well, one of my major pet peeves is going to a website that is built for an end user and they assume that that end user will never use a cut sheet or a dimension, which is weird because the average consumer gets out a measuring tape and needs to know that detailed information. But it's like they just want to tell me about the idea of a refrigerator. And I, you know, obviously want to know the dimensions, the specs. Um, so I don't know, like maybe with your marketing team, just remember that the people who are specifying it, uh, the product, just need to know the basic um, cut sheet, spec sheet information and make that really easy to get to and don't make it a you know, mysterious, difficult thing to find, like appliances. I don't know if that relates to this, but they're always making the cut sheet very, like you're gonna have to go on a treasure hunt to find it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'll pick something else. If, if, I, if it's taking me more than 20 minutes, they don't deserve the business and I'll move along. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but. I feel like, um, I don't know how Jessica and Vanessa feel, but I have a, my favorite plumbing and hardware brands that I work with. And if they're making it difficult for me to find information online, I just simply won't use them. So um, I, I do have my favorites and I just stick with my favorites and keep it very simple for myself. I have my favorite brands They're you know, and then stick with that. And I, especially I during the COVID. We need to be able to download this stuff, send it to our cabinet guy. He needs all, same thing with the countertops. And, and I, you know, I, I then also keep a Dropbox file that everyone can access because I've tried other formats, but that just seems to be what everyone uses. And so that way I don't get the question of how much of that chandelier weigh or how big was the sink. It's all in there. Um, and it, it needs to be, we, it just, there's so many emails right now, life and email inboxes are a thing. So it just needs to be click download PDF. Mm -hmm. take the money like it needs to be that simple great um do, now vanessa you already said that you try to send your business directly to your to the showrooms that you work with and not buy online um but do any of you buy online as well as from their showrooms i had before i need to oh, go ahead Sorry. No, I just want to say I I uh, I only buy direct through a showroom. Whoever's helping me is who I'll buy from. Because you're a good person. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. I need something, you know, with a, um, you know, those emergency situations <laughs> where, I mean, I would have to just like go sit at somebody's desk and harass them because I need it literally tomorrow because um, no, then I definitely will scour the internet to try to find it. Um, I remember a long time ago asking people, like asking a manufacturer, is there any way you know where you have stocked this item anywhere? Because it may not be available locally, but can I get it somewhere else? Can they ship it to me? And so anyway, that whole concept is, in a sense, it's possible for me to sort of extract myself from a system that has, like you said, like these people have lives, they have, they're just human, they can't respond, but literally certain clients, certain situations, you have emergencies where you have to get wacky and you have to find something in stock in another state and have, call the person, have it overnighted. And it's just easier and more practical if I do that myself. Um, but I love the idea of supporting a showroom um, because they are our community and our partners. And, you know, typically they've saved us so many times um, in the past and we we work well together as a team, um, but sometimes, you know, 
you just have to resort to a website uh, for purchasing. Um, but I was going to also say that um, we use Dornbrot a lot and we have the best rep. I don't know if she's on this call or not, but Cynthia, I, I can text her a question and she answers me back. And so it's like you're saying where the rep can really supplement that information that's not practical for a showroom to have to sort of manage in terms of how much work they have and how precise it has to be to be high functioning. I think that's really hard for a showroom to perform at that level with as much customer service and engagement that they have to have. Absolutely. Um, Jamie, you said that you have your favorite manufacturers and you stick to them. <clears throat> One of our attendees would like to know what, what would a manufacturer have to do to get your attention to change manufacturers? Oh. Show. That was a good, that was a good uh, question, Debbie. Loaded question, but uh, I think- Well, it was, actually, it was actually a showroom manager that, that asked that. It wasn't even another manufacturer, but I think that, that it's, a good, it's a good question. Sure. Um, I think when I'm looking for um, my favorites, I'm always looking at design. I'm looking at price point. I'm looking at finishes. Um, okay, design, price point, finishes. Um, 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 availability. And samples. I need samples. I need samples of finishes. And if you don't have them for me, I cannot sell them. And that's a recurring comment from all designers yeah. in the AD community yeah. uh, to our manufacturers. Right. So you see that closet I have right behind me? That's my closet behind there is loaded with all of my samples. And if I don't have it in there, I can't sell it. So if my rep doesn't give me that little rink with the brushed gold finish or the matte black, I'm not dragging my clients to every showroom. So there you go. That's, that is the hardest thing. It is the hardest thing, especially with a lot of these new finishes. Um, we, if we had them, we could do more. And I get that they're expensive to produce. Oh, so fine, make them the size of a quarter. Like, I mean, we don't need them to be this big. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, just going through a couple questions because we've got a couple of open questions before we wrap up. Um, oh, this is a good question. Is Made in America products impor an important factor in deciding what manufacturers you choose? Not for me. Not for me. As much as I would love Made in America, I always would love that, but it's just not really happening. Um, is it because of price point or availability or? All the above. But because, because it's not always necessary. Again, I understand the whole made in America thing. Obviously we want that to happen, but there are places around the world that have been doing beautiful things with metal for decades and they do an excellent job at it. And sometimes it is price point, but that isn't always it. I mean, there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say any brands, but there's a lot of European appliances that are super expensive um, and aren't, you know, made in China um, and they're garbage quality. So, I mean, it, it's, the origin is a little less important to me than the quality. Um, there's some beautiful classic cabinet hardware brands that are made in the U.S. and the stuff is gorgeous. And the client wants to spend on it. I have no problem spending on it. But sometimes it can um, really blow the budget. Um, I don't look at where something is made first with, with stuff. I look at the quality of it and the reliability of it. Yeah. I think it's a part of a story that I like. Um, and it's not the primary aspect of a product, but it, it adds in to me. It, it layers in a story that I like to um, tell or participate in. It's, it's an asset in something that I would already like. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I have one more thing to say. Um, I think it depends on the product. So it depends, like, let's say, I know we are, you know, DPHA here, but let's talk about cabinets for a minute. 
Um, you better believe that I'm, I'd rather purchase a cabinet made in America or Canada than China, even Italy. Um, because I, I would need to order cabinets and get them as quick as possible. If it's, in, you know, if it's overseas, it's a little harder. China for obvious reasons and Italy just because it takes so much time. So, but plumbing and hardware, I'm flexible because it's an easy change if um, something went wrong. Some other changes haven't been easy. Like there's one of my favorite hardware brands that I'm not even going to say the finish because you all know who it is, but we just had an issue where the finish that they've been making consistently that's new, that we love, that we go nuts over. When the tariff thing started, they switched production to, um, I can't remember if it was India or Vietnam or Indonesia, but to one of those countries and the, none of the hardware has matched since then. And I don't mean match the previous samples. I'm talking we did an entire order. It was not inexpensive of the knobs, the poles, and there was no consistency. And this is a very well-respected brand. And so um, I, they, they tried so hard. There's nothing they can do. It'll be 60 days before that's fixed. And so I simply just talked to the customer, told them honestly what happened and do they want a different fit? The contractor had installed every single thing. So we can't change the center to center. It's been drilled. Um, so I, they got it. They understood it. And they're like, you know, why don't we just try to distress the knobs and use something abrasive and mess with them? And we did. And it was okay, but it wasn't ideal. And that was someone who, you know, you would think because we want to bash China that taking the production out of China was a good thing. Well, in the short term, it actually wasn't. So, you know, I get it. It's, it's just, it's not that simple. Interesting. Well, we are out of time, but thank you ladies so much for joining us. Thank you everyone for attending. And we hope we'll see you in two weeks on September 2nd, when we uh, continue the conversation from two weeks ago about the internet and the decorative plumbing and hardware industry. Uh, I'll send you ladies a link so you could join as well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us. This mm. is really great. And I think that everyone got some really good information. Hopefully. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for having us. If you would like to present in the future or inquire about membership or sponsorship, please visit dpha.net today.